In today's shir, we will discuss the famous machloket between the Rishonim about the nature of Olam Haba. It is clear in many sources in Chazal that the ultimate reward a Jew can expect, the ultimate reward any human can expect for serving Hashem is Olam Haba, the world to come. The Jewish philosophers debate, however, the nature of this world, Olam Haba. The Rambam discusses this issue in the entire eighth perek of Hilchot Teshuvah, and in even greater length in his Parish on the Mishnah, in the beginning of the tenth perek of Sanhedrin, the 10th parak of Sanhedrin, it's the 11th in our Gemaras, but the 10th in the Mishnah, starts with the famous Mishnah, Kol Yisrael Yeshlam Chelek Liolam Haba, etc. That all Jews, there are some exceptions later, um, have a share in the world to come. And the Rambam, very appropriately, takes this opportunity to discuss the nature of ultimate reward and punishment, the world to come, resurrection, and all other related topics. He begins by telling us that the Jews of his time were very confused about what the ultimate reward that we can expect for serving Hashem is. He mentions a little later, which is not our topic for now, that ideally one should not serve Hashem in order to receive a reward. One should serve Hashem just because it's the right thing to do. But, leaving that aside, there clearly is a principle in Torah Judaism, that God rewards the righteous. How does he do so? What is our ultimate reward? The Rambam mentions five different groups of people who have different ways of thinking about the nature of that ultimate reward. The Rambam tells us that one group thinks the ultimate reward is Gan Eden, which is a miraculous garden where we eat and drink and never have to work. And the ultimate punishment is Gehenna, which is a big fire. Second group thinks that the ultimate reward is Yemot Mashiach, the days of Mashiach, when the Jews will be a powerful nation and will have riches and power, etc. The ultimate punishment is not being alive during those days. A third group think the ultimate reward is resurrection of the dead, that after we die we will be resurrected and live normal lives again. The ultimate punishment is to never be resurrected. A fourth group thinks that the ultimate reward is in this world, that God will give us riches and peace and prosperity. That is the simple shot and Chumash. And the ultimate punishment is that Chas v'shalom, we will suffer from war and pestilence and plague and poverty, etc. All the punishments mentioned in the Chumash. The fifth group mixes these all together and says Mashiach will come, then the dead will be resurrected, then they'll go into Gan Eden, um, etc. And the Raman tells us, but, the Ramam says that all, all these groups of people, all these different types of Jews floating around the world during his era, missed the boat. The Mishnah tells us explicitly that the ultimate reward is Olam Haba, the world to come, not any of these other options. And no one really talks about the world to come. 
many places in Chazal tell us this world is only the antechamber of the world to come. Prepare yourself in this world so that you will merit life in the world to come. It is very clear throughout the Mishnah and Gemara and Medrash that the ultimate reward is Olam Haba. And the Rambam tells us everyone misses out on Olam Haba. No one thinks about it. Why? The Rambam implies later that this is because Olam Haba, as opposed to all of the other options, which are physical things that we can imagine, Olam Haba is something entirely different. And the Rambam tells us that the uniqueness of Olam Haba is that it is completely non-physical. It is purely spiritual. We do not have bodies in Olam Haba, according to the interpretation of the Rambam. Rather, we only have souls. How does the Rambam know this? So he brings some support from the words of Chazal. For example, the Gemara tells us, in the world to come, there is no eating and drinking, washing and anointing, etc. Sounds a little bit like Yom Kippur. But the Rambam's point is that if we don't eat and drink, then obviously we are not physical bodies. Because physical bodies need to eat and drink. There are a few points that bother the Rambam, though. Because the Medrash continues and says, The righteous sit with crowns on their heads and enjoy the splendor of divine presence. Enjoying the splendor of divine presence is fine, but how do you sit and put a crown on your head without a body? So the Rambam tells us, he actually goes into great length, we will return to this point, that not every word found in the Midrashim of Chazal is meant literally. Many times, our Chachamim speak metaphorically, explains the Rambam. So what it means by the righteous sit is that they are not wearied by any exertion because they are only souls without bodies. What it means by crowns on their heads, meaning the crown of knowledge of Hashem, is found in their minds, which are their souls. And, by contemplating Hashem, they derive intellectual, spiritual pleasure from the splendor of God's existence. This is, this point of the Rambam, rather, was very, very hotly debated. The Sefer HaIkarim of Yosef Albo, coming towards the end of the period of the Rishonim, summarizes for us in his fourth book, chapter 30, Regarding the spiritual reward which will come to a righteous person after he dies, the various Jewish thinkers and philosophers have split into two camps. One camp, which he identifies with the Rambam and many other great Chachamim, and he himself endorses, one camp believes that even though there may be some physical rewards for the completely righteous in this world, as we see that the forefathers were rewarded, but the main reward that 
a righteous person expects is purely spiritual and for the soul alone, without a body. And that occurs in Olam Haba, in the world to come, which comes when? Comes right after someone dies. He points out, Adat Hasheni, the second group of Jewish thinkers, though, holds that although some righteous receive a physical reward in this world, many righteous people never receive a physical reward. So they deserve a physical reward in the next world. And in the next world, they will receive both spiritual and physical reward. When their soul and body are resurrected, at the time of Tchiyat HaMitim, the resurrection of the dead. This explains the Data Ramban and the Ramah and many others. This is the opinion famously of the Ramban. This is famous as the Machloket between the Ramban and the Ramban. The Ramban believes that Olam is something very few people understand very few people speak about, because it is purely spiritual. There are only souls in Olam Haba. There are no bodies. Well, the Ramban says, no. Olam Haba is something everyone talks about, because it's just another word. It is merely a synonym for the, that which will, for the era that will commence after the time of Tchiyat when the dead are resurrected. When all the dead, the righteous, that is, dead, come back to life, they will then be living in Olam Haba, the world to come after Tchiyat HaMetim. According to the Ramban, everyone already knows about Olam Haba, because we all are familiar with the concept of resurrection of the dead. The Ramban, the Ramban and the Ramban argue about what the word Haba means in the phrase Olam Haba, the world to come. What do you mean to come? When is it coming? For the Rambam, as he explains in Ochot Shuvah, it is the world to come subjectively for each person. Everyone who discusses it is now alive. So for them, this world will come for them as soon as they die. So if my grandfather is very righteous and has passed away, he is now in Olam Haba. For the Ramban and the majority of Jewish philosophers, Olam Haba means it will come later in history. Right now it is, let's say, the year 5,770, according to the customary counting. The world to come will be later. Maybe it will be the year 6,000, maybe 7,000. There are many different opinions as to exactly what year we are in and what year the world to come will commence. But it will come at a certain time later in history when Hashem resurrects the dead and introduces a new world. What is the basis of this machloket? Why does the Rambam think that the world to come is purely spiritual, while the Ramban thinks that the world to come is synonymous with triatamitim, with resurrection, and we will live there of course, possessing souls, but in our resurrected bodies. So, this machloket is probably based on a number of factors, but one 
of the ways of looking at this machloket is as a machloket in terms of how we are to interpret what is the methodology we use in interpreting the words of Chazal, specifically the Midrashic descriptions. There are many descriptions of Olam Haba which sound awfully physical. As we mentioned, Chazal say that Tzadikim sit with crowns on their heads. The Rambam explains right here in the Parish HaMishnayot in his introduction to the 10th Parish of Sanhedrin that one has to be careful in terms of how one interprets the words of Chazal. The Rambam gives us a very fascinating survey of three different ways of relating to peculiar statements found in the Medrash or Gemara. He says there one group of people understands that every word of Chazal is intended literally and believes that they meant exactly what they seem to have said. The Rambam says, on the one hand, this group can be very religious, but on the other hand, the Rambam swears that these people destroy the beauty of Torah and darken its splendor. Because, by taking every word found in Chazal literally, and going about proclaiming the truth of their words, they make Chazal look like fools, because some of the things we find in rabbinic sources are impossible, are ridiculous, are uh, so unlikely as to be preposterous. And if religious people go around saying, nope, you have to believe this, then they may be very religious, but they make the Torah look stupid. The Rambam doesn't approve of this group. He approves even less of the second group. The second group also takes all of the words of our Chachamim literally and says, therefore, we don't believe in our Chachamim and become heretics. That is clearly unacceptable. The Rambam says the third group, and he says, he's not even sure you can call it a group because it may only have a couple of people in it, including himself, understand that Chazal were very deep philosophers. And they often spoke in riddles, puzzles, and metaphors. Not every word of the Gemara is meant to be taken literally. And one who truly understands the intention of our Chachamim realizes that there is a hidden layer of meaning, a metaphorical intention to much of what they say. And that metaphorical intention is philosophically accurate and uh, scientifically tenable and demonstrates the depths of the wisdom which the Rambam, as a religious Jew, attributed to our Mesorah. The Rambam believes very clearly that by taking Chazal literally, you end up believing foolish things, and then you have to choose between thinking Chazal were fools, or thinking Chazal were right and making everyone else think they were fools. In fact, the Rambam's approach throughout his writings is to interpret Chazal metaphorically. However, many of the Rambam's opponents in this particular debate had a lot of trouble with the Rambam's perspective. The Ravid, in his Hasagot, 
his criticisms of the Rambam's Hilchot Shuvah in the 8th parak, time and time again hammers away at the Rambam. says, the Rambam says, the Rambam writes, that the Medrash calls the world to come a suda, a meal. As a metaphor. And the Ravid writes, if it's a metaphor, then why did Chazal discuss an argument between the various participants as to who will lead the benching at that suda? Of course, the Ramah would say that's also a metaphor for debate about the you know, relative merits of the philosophical ideas represented by different biblical characters. Um, the Ravid talks about uh, the various Midrashim that tell us in the future the righteous will be resurrected with their clothing or without their clothing, with which color clothing, um, with their defects, without their bodily defects, which proves that in Olam Haba we will have bodies. Of course, the Ramah could say these are metaphorical too. The Ravid argues on the Ramah, he says, doesn't the Midrash say that Hashem will return the world to Tovavo, to nothingness, and then recreate it a thousand years later? The Ravid keeps hammering away at the Rambam that he doesn't match the simple meaning of many Midrashim. Of course, the Rambam is not bothered by this at all. The Rambam thinks we are meant to interpret things literally. So one locus of this machloket is, of this argument, is exegetical. The Rambam is comfortable, not only comfortable, but thinks it is crucially necessary to interpret the words of Chazal metaphorically. And therefore, he says, any physical descriptions of the world to come are, of course, metaphorical while the Ravid and many of his other opponents think that it is important to interpret the words of Chazal literally as much as possible. And therefore, if in many places Chazal discussed physic, in physical terms the world to come, it must literally be a physical world. The, uh, however, the argument is of course not merely exegetical. There are a number of philosophical points which may have led the Rambam to his conclusion, and the Ramban, and the Ravid, and Rav Sadigon, and the Tosafos, and most medieval Jewish philosophers to the opposite conclusion. The Rambam tells us one reason he reached this conclusion in his parish on the Mishnayot. The Rambam tells us that the world to come has to be the ultimate reward. Olam Haba is the ultimate reward. And the ultimate reward cannot be enjoyed by anyone trapped in a body. The Ramam held, like many philosophers who preceded him, that ultimately the body drags down the soul. That the true pleasure, the truest pleasure, the only true eternal ultimate pleasure is contemplation of Hashem, and a soul is limited in its ability to connect to Hashem, to contemplate Hashem, because it is dragged down by the physicality of its body. The Raman tells us then, then of course, if Olam Haba is meant to be the ultimate reward, and the ultimate reward can only be enjoyed by a pure soul, and would be ruined by the presence of that annoying body, then of course we can't have a body in the world to come. The uh, the other Rishonim, however, seem to have understood that the ultimate reward can be enjoyed by both a body and a soul. 
the uh, when a number of Jewish philosophers asked the obvious question, why must we have a body in the world to come? Why can't our souls merely enjoy the closeness to Hashem and contemplation of the divine? So the Rav Chastai Kreskes and the Sefer Or Hashem and the Sefer Yosef Alvo and the Sefer Ikarim, book 4, uh, Perak Lamed and Lamed Gimel, explained that by the principle of divine justice, since the body helped the soul do mitzvot in this world, therefore it is only fair that Hashem reward the body as well as the soul in the world to come, therefore we need to have a body and a soul in the world to come. The Sefer Ikarim goes even further in explaining the opinion of those who hold that we will have a body and soul in the world to come and explains that a soul needs a body for its ultimate perfection. A soul is not perfect without a body. It's quite possible that this machloket about the nature of Olam Haba might stem from a fundamental disagreement about how to view a human being. What is a human being? For the Rambam, as he explains in many places, the ultimate goal of a human being is purely intellectual, which for the Rambam is the same as spiritual which is the knowledge and contemplation of Hashem. For the Rambam, a human being is essentially a soul. The body is some sort of handicap, uh, some sort of accidental feature which uh, a human being is born with in this world. But the real human being is the soul trapped inside the body. Then, of course, in Olam Haba, we should be free of this handicap and be merely a soul. For the Ramban and the other Rishonim, perhaps, a human being is a body with a soul. Of course, a human body is a, a being is a, ideally a body ruled by and controlled by and channeled properly and focused appropriately by the values of the soul. But a human being is only a human being because he combines body and soul. In that way, a human being is better than an angel, than a malach. A malach is purely spiritual. A human being is able to take his spirituality and fuse that with physicality. And in truth, the perfection of the soul is in its proper relationship with the body. If so, it makes sense that both the body and soul deserve to live out that perfection and be rewarded, both physically and spiritually, in the world to come. Another point of contention, perhaps, between the Rambam and the other Rishonim lies in the implication in a few places in the Rambam that it would perhaps be impossible for the soul to exist with the body in Olam Haba. 
the Rambam says in his parish on the Mishnah that in the world to come there will be no eating and drinking Chazal tell us if so a body can't live without eating and drinking so it must be we have no body based on the laws of science the Rambam concludes that we can't have a body in the world to come because how could a body survive without eating and drinking in addition the Rambam explains in Hilchot Yisodei Torah Perek Dalet Gimel not specifically with regard to Olam Abba, but the Rambam says anything created of physical elements who nifrad ba sof anything created of physical elements any physical object must eventually decay and decompose that is why as the Rambam explains in the first chapter of Hilchot Yisodei Torah it is so crucially important for the Rambam that we believe that God is incorporeal, that He has no body. Because if Hashem had a body, then He would have to decompose. If God had a body, then God would not be eternal. He would have to die at some point. Of course, we cannot accept that conclusion. Therefore, God must not have a body. Similarly, the Rambam seems to have reasoned that if a Rambam means eternal life, we can't have eternal life with a body. A body cannot last forever. Only something like God. Only a soul. Which is very similar. Even participates in the being of God to a certain extent. Only a soul can last forever. A body, a strong body, might last millions and billions and trillions of years. But no body can live eternally. The Ramban addressed some of these objections in Torah Adam. The Torah Adam is the Ramban's work about life and death. And mo- much of it is halachic, but one book called the Shar HaGemol is philosophical about reward and punishment. The Ramban addresses this objection. The Ravid addresses this objection in his Hasaga to Hilchot Perchet Halacha Bet as well. And answer very simply. In this world, bodies don't live forever. More specifically... In this world, bodies don't live without eating and drinking. But, maybe in the next world, God will change the rules of nature. Maybe God will create a stronger bodies. Like angelic bodies, like the body of Eliyahu. Eliyahu Navi lives forever without eating and drinking. And, the Ravid assumes has a body. So in the next world, God will change the laws of nature. He'll make us some special kind of bodies, which are essentially will be familiar to us as our bodies. I don't mean a new kind of body will look like space aliens. A body that looks like the body we're all sitting in right now. But, God will strengthen us that we don't need to eat and drink. All we need to do is enjoy the splendor of Hashem, and that will sustain us. And our body will never decompose. Hashem will change the rules so that our bodies last forever. The the Rambam here follows the philosophical approach which he explicates in the Mor Nevuchim, which is that the basic laws of philosophy, the basic laws of nature, the basic laws of physics never change. God created the world, and the world works in a certain way eternally. Therefore, if the rules of physics as we know it dictate that bodies do not live forever, and certainly do not live without eating and drinking, then in Olam Haba, the bodies will not be able to do that either. The only way we can achieve eternal life is as disembodied souls. 
The Ramban and the other Rishonim were not bothered by this problem. They believed that the laws of physics are subject to the whims of their creator. If God decides so, then nowadays the world will work a certain way. But when he's ready, he'll change the rules and create a new system of physics under which our bodies will be able to live forever and as full human beings we will be able to enjoy eternally the splendor of the Shekhinah. To summarize then, we have explained two basic approaches towards understanding the nature of Olam Haba, the Rambam and the Seferi Karim and other Jewish philosophers understand that it is a purely intellectual spiritual world where souls contemplate the existence of Hashem without bodies, without regular or even any type of human life and that is the ultimate pleasure while the Ramban and the Ravid, and the Ramah and many other Jewish philosophers understood that in the world to come we will live as human beings with body and soul of course our body will be much improved there will have many advantages that life will have many advantages over the current world but we will still be human beings as we recognize them today we explained three underlying philosophical disputes which might have led each side of this debate to their respective conclusions. One dispute we, we, we mentioned was the exegetical dispute where the Rambam felt a holy obligation to explain the words of Chazal metaphorically so that they dovetailed as much as possible with the conclusions of science and philosophy and accuse those who interpret Chazal literally of bringing disrepute to the Torah while the Ravid and other Jewish philosophers believe that we should interpret Chazal literally as much as possible and not worry quite so much about scientific and philosophical conclusions that might seem to contradict the words of Chazal. This debate is, of course, familiar to us from contemporary Judaism as well. The third factor we mentioned was that the Rambam believed that the basic laws of physics, the basic laws of the universe, never change. And therefore, we cannot have a physical existence in the world to come. That would violate the laws of nature. While the Ravid and the Ramban and others were not bothered by this and assume that the laws of nature could change in Olam as well. And perhaps most crucially, the second factor we explained is that they are arguing about the nature of what it means to be a human being in the deepest and highest sense of that world. The Rambam held that the ultimate pleasures of a human being were purely intellectual spiritual. 
that a real human being is a soul. The body is just a handicap. It's just something we're trapped in in this world, which we're happy to be rid of as quickly as possible. And therefore, in Olam Abba, of course, we want to be our truest, highest, deepest self, selves, which means our soul without our body. While, in the understanding of the Sefer Ikarim, the Rambam's opponents may have believed that no, the true uniqueness, the true depth of being a human being lies in combining body and soul, in shaping, fashioning, and channeling the actions of the body through the spiritual achievement of the soul and is that unique combination of body and soul which is able to provide the service which is so pleasing in the eyes of Hashem and therefore that unique body and soul combination is rewarded in an improved incarnation in the world to come. As is clear this basic machloket is not only important for our understanding of Olam Haba, but affects the way we look at Olam Hazet, this world as well. For the Rambam, in this world, our main task, our main goal, as he explicates in the Mor Nevuchim, is for our soul to contemplate Hashem, to add knowledge and understanding and closeness to God to our soul. And our body plays basically the job of our body is just to make sure that nothing interferes with the tasks, with the goal of our souls achieving a greater and greater understanding of the nature of Hashem. For many other Jewish philosophers though our existence in this world is about combining body and soul, is about integrating body and soul and allowing the soul to sanctify the body to the extent that the body as well becomes part of our Avodat Hashem, our service of God and deserves to be rewarded in the next world.